We love goal setting over here, Smarties. We talk about it all the time with our clients, their parents, and teachers. One of the ways we define success is by setting goals as early on in the educational therapy process as we can so that we are all clear on what we are working towards. Today, we're going to dig deeper into SMART goals and share just a few that our clients have set over the years. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 38 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitts. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of goal setting and how to do it. There are so many levels to setting goals. It can be individual, family goals, monthly goals, yearly goals, daily goals, weekly goals, learner goals, teacher goals, classroom-wide goals, so on and so on. In last week's episode, episode 37, How Educational Therapy Works, we break down how we guide students through their independent and autonomous transformations. That process is an ABC process where A means assessment, B means building, and C means competency. In that journey, we take our clients through. We do goal setting in the first phase, the assessment phase. If you haven't had a chance to listen, definitely, definitely go back and listen to that episode. And of course, we'll link that for you in the show notes. We also briefly discussed SMART goals in episode 13, Back to School Part 1, which we'll also link in the show notes. Steph, this is the first episode that we're recording in 2019. Yes. Happy 2019. Happy New Year. How was your break? I think it's hilarious. We both got sick. <laughs> oh, yeah. We totally both got sick. I got pretty sick. Yeah. Um. But I was thankful that I didn't have to work through it and I could just take some time. Yeah. But it's also a bummer because you finally don't have clients. We finally say we're going to take a couple weeks off. Yeah. And your body just backfired. Yeah, it totally did. It was like, okay, I'm angry at you now. Mm -hmm. But I did some fun things. I went to Atlanta for a few days. That was fun. And And um, impulsive. And I loved it. Yeah, it was super impulsive. But I've been known to do that before. And hung out with uh, my dogs and saw some family. My brother was in town, so that was good. You went to Disneyland too, Steph? I did go to Disneyland <laughs> with my brother and his wife and my mom. It was fun. How was your trip? My trip was good. We had a really good time. Can I tell you what the best part about it was? For several days, I didn't have internet. Yeah. But the days that I did, I did not check social media once. Nice. So I had a seven-day hiatus from Facebook, Instagram, email, which of course stressed me out almost as soon as I had internet again. I waited a couple (laughs) of days after we got back from vacation to check my email. But you know, it was like orbiting in the back of my mind. Yeah, I know. You kept telling me, I didn't get that much. You're not going to have gotten that much. But I kept saying that I was like stressed (laughs) out about it. I know I'm not the only one that gets stressed out about email. Can I tell you a funny story about that? Yeah. Last night, I got a text from a friend of mine who, I love you, Michelle. I'll just start out with that. But who notoriously, every time, like, she'll screenshot something, she has thousands of unread emails. 
<laughs> Does it give you the irk? <laughs> We're on a group text with like my high school friends and sometimes she'll just screenshot how many unread emails she has because it upsets all of us. And last night she sent me an article on the group text saying that inbox zero is not a realistic thing. And I was like, I agree. Inbox zero is not a realistic thing for most people. But hundreds of thousands of unread emails is also not conducive to a peaceful life, in my opinion. I always have like five to 10 emails that are unread, don't you? I don't put them unread like you do. This is not what this episode was supposed to go towards. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but interesting. Anyway. Also, uh, we did have terrific Rachel Day. Oh, that's Which was fun. Yes. Yes. But it was kind of a bummer. Remember how I said, I think I wanted to go to Milk Bar? Yes, you did. And the Nixon Library. Yeah, and the Nixon Library was partly closed, right? Right. So Milk Bar didn't happen because my husband, two weeks before the end of the year, decided he was going to eat clean. Oh, that's right. So he's like, well, we can go and you can eat. And like, that's not fun. Right? For me to be sitting there eating all these sweets and him just watching. Yeah. And I know he would have shared with me, but then I would have felt guilty for bringing him down that path. So we just didn't do that. Mm. But, you know, it's still there. I'm still going to go. Yeah. But we did go to the Nixon Library. But, you guys, we didn't even think about it being partially shut down. So the museum part was closed because that's federally funded. And our government is still shut down. So we're recording this January 10th. And I really, really hope that by the time this episode airs, both the LAUSD strike is resolved and our government reopens. That is my wish for the new year for all those people out of work. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then you'll eventually make your trip back so you can actually see it. So I said that to Adam and he goes, I don't know, it was really far. And I'm like, <laughs> but I didn't get to see the museum part. The interesting stuff, you know? What they did have is they had the helicopter where Nixon did the double peace signs when he was leaving office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went and did that. And then they had the childhood home where he was born. Oh. Because it's on that property. Mm. So we were able to see that because that stuff was run by the foundation. Mm. We couldn't go on the helicopter, which you're normally able to do because of the shutdown. I'm wondering, did they have his resignation letter? Those cool things? No, you have to go back. We're going to have to have another terrific Rachel Day. A do-over. A do-over. Yeah. Where I get to go to Milk Bar and Adam eats it. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Okay, so back to smart goals, guys. Yes. So the reason we're doing this episode at the beginning of the year is because the beginning of a new semester for a lot of kids and Rach and I both do this during session and Mm -hmm. get kids back thinking about this semester in particular. It's very hard for them to look at a whole year. So that's why we like to break it down and do it by semester. Sometimes with some kids, it's even quarterly, but for the most part, we do it by semester. So this is what we're doing with our clients right now. Mm -hmm. And we thought it would be best to share it with all of you. Yeah, this is a good opportunity to re-examine. Yeah. It's a fresh start. And we know this episode is going to come out a couple weeks into January, but it's never too late or too early to think about these things. So we're going to explain what SMART goals are. But first, we wanted to tell you a little bit about the history of SMART goals. And this was new information for us, right? I had no idea. I did a quick Google search and threw it into 
our script for this episode, if you will. And Steph opened up the doc and was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so I will just read to you what Google told me. Yeah. Which is, it is generally accepted that the SMART acronym was first written down in November 1981 in Spokane, Washington. George T. Duran, a consultant and former director of corporate planning for Washington Water Power Company, published a paper titled, There's a Smart Way to Write Management's Goals and Objectives. So we've been saying SMART goals this whole time, and SMART goals is an acronym. Mm -hmm. So Steph, why don't you break down the acronym? So the acronym stands for Specific, Measurable, Achievable, Realistic, and time-bound. So what does that mean? Specific. Let's go back to the first one, the S. Oftentimes when we've been doing talks or we work with kids, we ask them their goals and they'll give us something that is very broad. And they Let's do an example as you're explaining it. So an example of a client that I was working with the other day actually said his goal was to get a better grade in science. Okay. Okay. And that is very broad because number one, I don't even know what grade he was at when he was telling me this. <laughs> it's not measurable. <laughs> yeah. Right. And what does that mean better? Is it that he gets an extra point or just, is he talking mm -hmm. 15 points better? What does that really mean? That's the measurable part, right? And the specific part. Yeah. And the specific part. The achievable part is, does he have an F and he wants to get an A? Is that what he wants? That's not really something that's achievable in such a short amount of time that we're talking about, usually. Is it realistic? Not sure that going from an F to an A is realistic, but that really wasn't his goal anyway. But we want to make sure that it is achievable and realistic, that he maybe wants a couple points extra and time bound. How long are we giving it? So when I was working with him specifically, after some prompting, it came down to where he felt he was getting the lowest grades within his science grade. So what type of assignments or quizzes or tests? They're broken down. There's homework and classwork. There was tests and projects and participation or something. So we discussed that homework and classwork were the lower of the grades. He does really well on tests. So he decided that he wanted to get an A- minus on homework and classwork. So that's more specific, right? It's more measurable. So we then talked about how he could actually achieve that. And we talked about him turning in his homework and asking his teacher questions about classwork when he didn't understand something so he could get a better grade during his classwork. So that's an example of the process that we went through to get down to a goal that was much more smart than I want to do better in science basically. Right. SMART goals create specificity, which we love, and an action plan. Mm -hmm. And so students know what steps they need to take in order to achieve a goal. And they have us with them along the way, right? Yeah, because otherwise, a lot of times kids will put out this overarching goal that's just floating that they don't have any way of actually getting there. It's sort of like I said to him, what if I say I want to be an NBA player? And what if I say, I'm just going to practice every day and I'm going to become an NBA player? Well, mm -hmm. is that really achievable and realistic? Number one, the NBA is all men and I'm a woman. So 
You're also a very petite woman. I'm also very short. So even if I practice every day, does that action step actually going to help me become an NBA player? We just sort of talked about it in terms of that, making sure that it's action steps that are realistic and that they can actually achieve on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the smart goals that I set with clients, if I know I'm going to see the client twice a week, Mm -hmm. Well, say that you're going to do this twice a week. Can I give an example? Yeah, please do. This was a SMART goal that I set with a 10th grade student who struggles with executive functioning. And he was really having a difficult time coming up with a goal, which is kind of hilarious because he is one of those kids who doesn't think anything's wrong with his systems. (laughs) And we both have those, right? (laughs) Yeah. But so it was funny. We were having a conversation. And I'm like, you know, you did really well last semester. What do you credit that to? By the way, I've been seeing him for a semester. And he goes, well, I did really bad last year. So I just did things different this year. I changed everything, <laughs> which was like giving no credit to the fact that there were certain pieces of accountability that he had to do with me on a weekly basis. So I was like, oh, really? I'm like, Do you think checking your calendar and updating your calendar on a weekly basis had any impact? And he goes, well, I always knew what was going on, but I knew that before. Like, "Mm -hmm, but Mm -hmm. assignments weren't getting turned in before. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that's different is that you're accountable to your calendar. So I encouraged him to make a smart goal of updating his calendar, not just once a week when we're in session, because we automatically do that, but twice a week. So this was his goal. I will update my calendar two times a week with school and personal events. Do you see the specificity of that? I loved that. Using my laptop to update it. It will help me keep track of my schedule and all my work until the end of the semester. So the action steps that we planned and put in place were the two days that he was going to update his calendar. It was actually really interesting to watch him go through this process of figuring out which two days he was going to update his calendar. Because Steph, I see him on Tuesdays, Mm -hmm. and he did not bring that up as an option, even though it's the first thing we do every every week. So you got a bonus out of this one. Well, I guided him because it would not have been realistic for me to say, update your calendar twice a week outside of session when he wasn't doing it at all outside of session the previous semester. Mm, So I said, you know, you do already do this one day a week. And he kind of just looked at me and I was like, it's the first thing we do every time you walk in the store. And he goes, oh, yeah. I guess I didn't realize that that could count. I'm like, that totally counts. Mm -hmm. So I gave him permission to do that one other day. And then he went through the process of figuring out all the other days. And he's like, "Uh, maybe Fridays. And I just looked at him and I was like, (laughs) you're not going to do it on Fridays. That's not reasonable. It's not realistic. Friday is not a school night. Listen, I am checked out Friday afternoons as well. It's why we don't see clients on Fridays. I'm like, is that achievable for you? Is that realistic for you? And he goes, no, I won't do it. I'm like, exactly. So figure out another day. And Steph, out of curiosity, what are the two days that I'm thinking of? If you know that he's going to update it every Tuesday with me, what would be the other day that you would have them do it? 
Thursday. So on Thursdays, <laughs> he set an alarm. That is the other day that we landed on mm-hmm. because I think the two options could have been Sunday night. Yeah. Oh, that's what went through my head. Sunday or Thursday. Right. But I went with Thursday because of the transitions on Sunday. It's going to be too hard for him. A hundred percent. My thinking. I love that you were just able to figure that out. <laughs> and so he's like, okay, I'll do it on Thursday. And I go, all right, that's fantastic that you've said that. How are you going to remember to do it? Mm-hmm. And you guys, this is the coaching part of Ed Therapy, just to like throw that in there. Exactly. Rachel isn't just saying, okay, you're going to do this and this is how you're going to do it. And on what day? Yeah. And he has to come up with his action step for his action step. Exactly. He needs a reminder to remember to do it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's one of the things we talk about all the time is that our students have wonderful intentions and their hearts are in the right place, but they need to remember to remember. And that's difficult. Yeah. So I said, well, what can you do right now that's very, very simple that you always have with you (laughs) that will remind you to do this? And he goes, well, I always have my phone. Exactly. Right. Guiding questions. Yeah. And I said, Okay, but how are you going to use your phone? He goes, well, I'll set a reminder. Well, it had to be more specific than that. Because if you just tell your phone to remind you on Thursday to update your calendar, guess when it's going to remind you? At midnight. Oh. So he needed to set a time. So I said, well, you have to think about what time you're going to be home from school. Because you're not likely to do it during school. And actually, I have a question for you, Steph. I'd like a little coaching on this client. So we landed on 3.30 because that's when he's home. He is a client that every time he comes into session, he has to log into everything and he insists on logging out. So he insists on logging into his calendar. I don't let that happen. Yeah. I don't let it happen either. Uh huh. But there's a power struggle over it. And I was like, you have no idea how much time you are wasting for no purpose. Mm-hmm. Your calendar should be the first thing you see every time you open up your laptop. Yeah. How would you handle that? Because this has now gone on for a semester. It's ridiculous, right? I'm wondering if there's some sort of privacy issue that he's concerned about from his parents or something, which, okay. That could be. If it is and he doesn't want them getting into his email, then maybe we create a separate email calendar or something that has everything imported that that one stays logged in and he just doesn't use the email address or something. That's probably what I would do. I make all the kids bookmark everything. Oh. And in the bookmark bar. And then I also make on their phone, the calendar has to be on the front page. And I get a lot of pushback about it, but I don't care. Yes, I do that as well, that the calendar should be either in the top row or honestly, it should be one of the four main Yeah, I get way more pushback about that. So that's why I just settle with the first page. But I like the idea of insisting that it has to stay logged in through a bookmark because the typing in every single time and he never remembers the password. Yeah. At this point, he knows that it's a frustrating moment. And it's very time consuming. They don't realize. See, some of the kids just like to bookmark stuff, but I want it in the bookmark bar. bar. Exactly. You and I have a thousand things in our bookmark bars, things that we go to routinely. Yes, exactly. We move it around to where it's one of the first things that they can go to. And I would honestly want to talk to him about what privacy situation he's really feeling and where he feels like it's going to get breached. And if it is his parents, then fine. The calendar can be a separate email that he just logs in there. Okay. Etc. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Yeah, my pleasure. So what I was going to actually add to this, and I don't know if you and I have talked about it, but I've used this a little bit and I want to use it more this semester. Okay. But there's this app called Alarmed that someone told me about, and it is a picture of a index finger pointed up with a bow wrapped around it. You know, that whole put something on your finger to help you remember. Oh, sure. By the way, Steph is mentioning this. We'll make sure to link this app or write the name of the app in our show notes. It's called Alarmed, right? Yeah. So basically, I have a couple of kids who I've had download it, and we've done a couple of things. But you can do timed reminders and have it remind you at any time and do different sort of sounds or it just coming up, flashing up on the top of the screen or whatnot. So this is a good option, I think. That's the free one. I think if you pay for it, you can do location reminders. Mm. And why is that different from the reminders app on the iPhone? What makes it better? The one that is on the iPhone, I have found it to not be as reliable for some reason. Really? Yeah. Because I think you can set an alarm or set a reminder, remind me when I'm home. It'll do location? I believe so. Interesting. Okay. So I might look into that. But this is another option, especially if you, let's say you have an Android. Okay, great. I wanted to share an example of a goal for an elementary age student as well. So this student is in the sixth grade and in the school he is in, it is absolutely still elementary school. And he told me that he wanted to do better on his math test. And math is a strength for him. Mm. So I really kind of pushed back because I was thinking, you know, I'd really like him to do 5% more of writing with our 5% challenge. Our 5% challenge is just a challenge that we give to students who do not like writing, which is to just write 5% more than you actually want to write, which usually leads to one or two sentences more for students in elementary school. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I had in mind for him. But when he was talking to me, I was like, you know what, this is the goal that he wants. And it made sense when he explained it in that he was hovering in the high C, low B range. And he wanted to be solidly in the B range on his math tests. Fair. So- His goal was, I will get at least 80% on math homework, tests, and quizzes by reviewing problems I did incorrectly and reducing errors by using graph paper, putting one digit in each box, stacking numbers, and skipping lines. This goes until spring break. So he wanted a little bit of a shorter period of time. Uh, Yeah, I did that with a couple of kids too. You guys remember the gelato story? (laughs) Yes. So this is gelato boy. Gelato boy. And he really responds well to rewards. So I was like, dude, what do you want to do after spring break if you meet this goal? (laughs) Which I think is reasonable. And by the way, he came up with these action steps on his own. So I was like, buddy, what are some of the things that you need to do in order to get better grades in math? What are like my big rules about math? And Steph, I was so proud of him. He listed all of them out on his own. I love that. I think I was the one to remind him about stacking equations. But other than that, he really did everything on his own. So our deal, if you recall from the gelato story, he only got one scoop. So he gets two? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's so great. And I was like, this is going to be an expensive goal for me, but he's near and dear to me. So he will get two scoops 
if he gets 80% and higher on really, for me, I know he wrote tests, homework, and quizzes. I don't really care so much about the homework and quizzes, do you, Steph? I'm going to focus on the tests, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. And that's, you know, probably the majority of his grade anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's a great reward. Yeah. And how cute is he for doing that? You know what the kids call stacking? You know they call it stackies? What? That's what they call when you're stacking numbers to solve in math. They call them stackies. Who are these children calling it that? I don't know, but that's what I've heard. I'm just saying that's the word on the street. (laughs) All I'm saying is if I went to one of my high school students and was like, stackies, stackies, I don't think that would go over very well. Do you? I mean, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It would be memorable, wouldn't it? It would. (laughs) It would, and they would laugh. (laughs) Yeah. So this is something that we'd love for you guys to consider doing. It does take some practice because you can always get more specific. You can always create more actionable items. You know what? Sometimes I change what the acronym means. And instead of achievable, I like the idea of calling it actionable. Oh, Because really, it's about what are the action steps. What do you think yeah. of that? All right, guys. I do like it. We're renaming it. It's going to be Smirkles are now specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-bound. Yes. I like it. I think it makes more sense. I do like it. Here's the thing. We did a talk recently, and one of the things that we were talking about with the parents, you guys can do this too. You guys can have SMART goals, not only for yourselves, but also for your learners. Mm -hmm. And you can have them jump in on it and do it together. You can have separate goals that they don't even know about Mm -hmm. potentially, but you're going to help them get there. So think about, like we always say, let's just start with one. I challenge you to think about one thing that you want to do with your learner and one thing you want to do personally or as a family or whatever your goal is and to write those down right now, then make it a smart goal and make sure you're making it specific. Yep. Make sure it's time bound. Make sure you know. So like a grown up smart goal will be, I want to lose 20 pounds in 10 weeks. Well, then it's specific and it's measurable and it requires you to lose two pounds a week, which by the way, is probably too much weight to lose every week. But I was just doing it as a simple math example, right? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of housekeeping tips. Steph and I are both still receiving applications. Mm -hmm. If you are interested in joining CAP Educational Therapy Group or My Ed Therapist, CAP Educational Therapy Group is in Beverly Hills, California. My Ed Therapist is in Redondo Beach, California. If you are interested in coming and joining us, we have a lot of fun and we will link the hiring links for our individual practices in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. So Steph and I are also really excited to announce that we will be holding office hours once a month. Yay! Come hang hang out with us in our Facebook group. To do that, just go to Facebook and search Smarties of the Learn Smarter podcast and join us there the first Thursday of every month at 11 a.m. Pacific time. So that is 2 o'clock Eastern, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we will be holding office hours. We're excited to interact with you. We'll be giving you a preview about what's coming up in future episodes. If you have questions, that's a great place to bring them. We'd love to answer them. 
we usually charge for our time, but we're going to be hanging out with you for free. So come hang out with us and get your questions answered. We've heard from several of you so far in 2019 who are interested in doing an on-air coaching call. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the first one that we aired, we aired that on January 8th with Christine Walsh. It was an episode about how to stop doing the executive functioning for your child, for your learner. And we will link that in the show notes as well. But we are currently planning more on-air coaching calls. So if you're interested in that, hit us up as well on any of the medias, any of the socials. Yep. Our email is Rachel and Steph at LearnSmarterPodcast.com. We will respond to you if you DM us at LearnSmarterPodcast on Instagram. And obviously, we'll see it if you throw it up in the Facebook group that you're interested in as well. So welcome back to 2019. We know this episode's airing late, but for us, it's our first time to talk to you guys. (laughs) So happy new year. Happy new year. Have a great week, Smarties. Have a great week. See you next week.